Hey, and welcome in once again to the QB11 show. As always, I'm Doug Scott, joined by Andrew, QB11. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Doug? I am doing well. This will be our kind of final episode of, of I guess, the summer uh, version of the of the podcast, and we'll move into again a game week uh, going starting next week. So we'll have pregame and postgame podcasts every week, and we'll cover a lot of cool topics week to week, both in both of those shows. But uh, this is kind of our, uh, I'll say it's our season preview extravaganza with a lot of predictions and and fun stuff we're going to talk about today. Would you would you say that we're going to be stacking days, um, trying to get one percent better uh, with our new more regimented schedule? Yes, we're going to try to be 1% more accurate and on time and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Consistent, I guess, with the schedule. August uh, got away from us a little bit, but it's summer, it's dog days, everyone's on vacation, uh, and we're going to be right back into a regular cadence and, and 1% better every day. Absolutely. Perfect. Let's get into it. All right. So first up, we are going to talk about our Pac-12 predictions for all 12 schools. What are their each school's record going to be, both overall and in the conference? And we'll work our way up the list. So, you know, QB, why don't you start? Who is your number 12 team in the Pac-12 this year? Yeah, so for the sake of argument here, um, we're going to be wrong a lot. And, like, this is mostly to find out. It's, it's kind of a dick measuring contest between Doug and I for the end of the season. Um, and so, yeah, with with further without further ado... I've got Colorado in 12th, and I have them going 0-12. So it's pretty easy to talk about their losses because it's to everybody. Yeah, Colorado's going to be bad. Uh, I also have them in 12th. I'm more generous than you. I have them with two wins overall and one conference win. I, you know, 0-12 is, I, I mean, the Huskies pulled that off, but that, that's, a hard, that's hard to go 0-12. So I, I'm probably being a little too generous, a little more generous than you, but uh, I also have them in 12th place. Who are, the, who are your two wins? I have Colorado beating Air Force, which I don't feel great about, but uh, whatever. And and then I have them. Uh, I have them pulling off a home win at Cal in the middle of the season. Okay, so this is where I think we're going to differentiate because honestly, if we were to do our over unders now, I think that my take on Cal would be a little different than it was prior. Yeah, I noticed going through. It's funny when you're picking over unders, right? You're just looking at. Like they're kind of looking at their schedule at a whole, and you're kind of saying, "Well, like, you know, they're going to lose a, a game. They'll lose one of these four. I don't know which one, but but one of them." And that, and you kind of form your over unders based on that. But when you're actually going through and picking game by game by game, so everything adds up, right? It it things change, right? Because now it's like I can't. I have to pick which specific game they're going to lose, not which one of the that they'll lose one of these three. And that changed my predictions on a number of teams today, a little bit, not not drastically, but definitely some differences, like you mentioned. Excellent. So who do you have in the number 11 spot, Doug? I have, well, it's kind of a two-way tie. So um, I'll go with Cal next. I have Cal at four and eight overall and two conference wins, two and seven in conference. This is probably, this one's probably low. This is kind of where I think my game by game predictions, I probably didn't give them enough, but uh, that's where they came in. Okay. So I had Stanford in 11th. Now, I think that you might, but I've got Cal, like, way up my list now. Then, like, they're not even bottom four for me anymore. Um, I Cal, Cal's, so I'll, I'll just give you, so I've got Cal in fifth. Wow. Yeah, so, and that's because of tiebreakers. Um, yeah. But, yeah, but yeah. I've got, I've got Cal losing, um, let's see here. So yeah, I've got Cal losing to Oregon, USC, UCLA, and Washington State. So that means I have them. You have them eight and four. No, I have seven and five. Okay. Okay. Because they also play Notre Dame early. So oh got- god. Okay, you were talking about conference. Okay, so you got them at five and four in conference, seven and five overall. Yep, five and four in conference, seven and five overall, and so I don't feel. The, I don't I don't know that like it's gonna work out in this exact way, but I think that there's a four team muddle for second in the Pac-12 North, and just by the way that I picked them in the playoff predictor and the way that it kind of did the tiebreakers and everything, it worked out with Cal being second in the North. Um, but I also had two other teams with identical record and then a f- uh, third team with one less win at six and six. Um, I I just think that. 
with them getting Brett Johnson back, so I actually had thought he went pro. And I was a little bit down on the interior of their defensive line for that reason. And then I found out today, because I actually did some research, <laughs> that he was coming back. And with, with Brett Johnson back in the mix on the interior of that defensive line, I think he's probably no worse than like the third or fourth best defensive lineman in the conference. Um, I actually think that that makes them like pretty dangerous in the front seven. So I think they have some other pieces that are solid, but having a player like him who's like a certified plus like all-conference caliber player to me gives them a different dynamic in the front seven that I think gives them a chance against a team like Oregon State or a team like Washington um, and and makes it a little bit more interesting against some of the higher-end teams in the North. Yeah, I I think Cal's one I'm going to miss on for sure. You know, when I when I add this all up, I'm like, yeah, this seems really low to me. But, you know, I didn't want to go and repick all my games and, you know, just keep playing with it over and over again. So I don't feel good about this. Um, you know, I have them, I have their wins against the Beavers, the Cardinal, uh, and then uh, two two out-of-conference wins. So uh, I think they're, they're probably going to pick up some more along the way. But, you know, it is what it is. So uh, who did you have in 11th? You said uh, Stanford. Stanford. Yeah. I have them at two, two and 10. And any conference wins? Um, I, yes, I've got Stanford beating Washington state at home. Um, and for me, that was a matchup pick. I don't, I don't really like Washington state secondary. And I think by mid to late season, Tanner McKee and that receiver room are going to be rounding into form. I just, I was having a hard time thinking about who Stanford could beat. And as I kind of just went through the schedule, I felt like this was the best opportunity because um, it was a home game. They play they play on the road at Washington. They play on the road at Oregon. I just think that Oregon State's too strong for them. Uh, and Washington State's a team that's a little bit smaller up front. They might be able to be a little bit more balanced than they will against other teams in the conference. So, uh, yeah, Stanford Stanford at 2-10 and 10 with wins over uh, Colgate and Washington State. Yeah, I, I'm not too far off on Stanford. I, it's funny, I have them I have them ninth in the conference record, but that's just mostly tiebreakers and matchups and stuff. I actually have them winning only three games total, and they're all conference games. I have them three and six in conference uh, with wins over... Um, yeah, maybe... Okay, so that's Colgate. Okay, I need to fix that. I thought that was Cincinnati. <laughs> Nope, that's definitely uh, two okay, picks. So Stanford picks up another win, so they're going to be four and eight, and uh, it's still three and three wins in conference. But uh, my bad there. All good. No more logos. So that brings us to tenth, and this is where I have ASU, and it's actually because of a tiebreaker loss to Arizona in the last game of the season that I have them. Um, it, it, below Arizona, I have both teams going five and seven, so they'd be the next two in order for me. At ten, nine and ten would be U of A and ASU, um, and I think that five might be a little aggressive for U of A, but I have them beating us. <laughs> so <laughs> with them beating Oregon, right, that was... let's circle back on that one because I have comments about that too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm a broken uh, Oregon fan, and I know how we lose it at in Tucson every time we go. So. Um, it realistically, this is probably more like a four and eight team. And I, I just didn't, I didn't know who to give a win to Oregon over Oregon to in conference. And I just kept coming back to this, like between at Washington state and at Arizona, I just have this like sinking feeling. We're going to drop one to one of those two teams. And so I ended up giving the win to Arizona, which actually pushed them above ASU. Uh, but I do have them winning, uh, the rivalry game at the end of the year. Um, I, I think that Arizona state's going to be in pretty tough shape by that point. Yeah, and and we're we're pretty much the same place here. Um, my number eleven or tied for tenth team is also Arizona State. I have them winning four games total. I have them only winning two conference games. Um, you know they have the two out of conference kind of layups, and then I have them. I have them beating Washington in week six at home. Uh, Arizona State, I'm talking about, and then I have them kind of beating the Buffaloes in Colorado, and then and then losing four straight to end the year. Uh, and I think they just kind of start imploding as we've talked about, including that rivalry game. So Arizona State is my number, you know, ten slash eleven, depending on the, they're actually tied with Cal, but they don't play each other, so who knows what the tiebreaker would actually be. Uh, and then Arizona, I have I'm one ahead of you because I got Cal, you have Cal much higher than me, but Arizona I have is my number eight overall team but winning four games um three and 
three and six in conference. I have them uh, being North, uh, North Dakota State, which I don't think is easy by any stretch. But uh, I, I think, you know, by week three, after playing San Diego State and, and Mississippi State, I think they're going to be ready for that game at home and pull that one off. Beating Cal, beating Colorado. So on a three-game win streak, you know, to, to go three and two into the Oregon-Washington, uh, you know, back-to-backs, and then they kind of... They kind of rattle off a bunch of losses in a row. Their back half of their schedule is much tougher than the first half. And then and then I have them kind of pulling off the win uh, at home against Arizona State to kind of break their losing streak and, and end the year on a high note at 4-8 and eight for Arizona. I got gotcha. you. And that's that's totally fair. And, it, like, honestly, if you look at it that way where I think Oregon loses to one of Arizona and Washington State on the road – like my next team is Washington state and I have them at six and six. And so if you swap that win over to them, it puts them at seven and five. Um, but here I got Washington state at six and six with losses to Wisconsin at, um, at Wisconsin, Oregon at home, Oregon state at home and Stanford at home. Again, I, I just think that that's a, a tough game for them. And then I, I have them, uh, I have Washington beating them as well in the apple cup to end the year. So, um, the five losses are Wisconsin, Oregon, USC, Oregon State, and Washington. Yeah, so you have them at five and four in conference and two and one out, six and six. No, sorry, four and five because Stanford as well just blended in down there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're right. Yep. yep. Six four and six, five four and five, five with the loss yep. to Wisconsin in the non con. And I had Washington. So I kind of did the same thought as you, right? I got to pick a loss for Oregon. They're going to lose a game in conference. And. Um, it came down to the same two games, and I had the same thought process that you did. Those are both road games. They're in the early half of the season. Um, I I went the other way that you did. I picked losing at Washington State. I just thought it's two weeks earlier. Maybe the team is not you know not as far along as they will be when they travel down to Arizona. So I I went with that one. But I could certainly see your logic for for picking the Arizona one instead. So, but but besides lose and and the, because of that, I think I I'm a little high on Washington State than I really you know my numbers came up a little high on Washington State than I than I really am. And I think this is where I'm my Cal and Washington State are are probably all a little bit a little bit off here, and I probably like your numbers a little better. But I have Washington State at eight and eight and four overall and six and uh, three in conference, which I don't really believe in, but that's when I picked it game by game, that's what came up. So they ended yeah. up as my number five overall team. For me, I, it ended up being by matchup, and I, I I might have to adjust this going into next year because I have them losing one, two, three, four, four home games, which is probably too much considering how tough of a place the Palouse is to play. But just from a matchup standpoint, I... I just really struggled with. Oh, sorry. Actually, I'm I'm wrong. I I apologize here. I only have them losing. Um. Uh, this this format that I have here is all kinds of whacked out. So I, I have them game to Utah is their their only home loss for. See, and I have I have them beating Utah. Okay. Be, because they they never lose to Utah at home. Like that's just like the rule of of Washington State and Utah. Like Washington State has. I don't think they've lost to Utah at home ever. Wow. Okay. So again, like we're talking about stuff that's maybe a little superstitious, like Oregon losing at Arizona this year, Utah losing at Washington State. But I think that both Oregon and Utah are liable to lose a game like that this year, Definitely. and it those seem like the two most likely places. The Palouse is a wild place to play, um, and and so is so is uh, Tucson. So fair enough. Um, who do you have? I think that takes us to number eight or seven. Yeah. yeah. So my eight through five are all seven and five teams, and they're all in the Pac-12, what used to be the Pac-12 North. I've got Washington, then Oregon State, then Cal, and that's because of tiebreakers, but that's just with how it ended up landing as I went through the simulation this time. I could see those three finishing in any order with that all seven and five record. Um, and I could see one of those teams maybe winning an extra game and going eight and four, but I basically had them all kind of splitting the games with one another because I think that they're all fairly evenly matched teams. Um, and and they the way that the schedule works out, I'll pull up Washington first. So like, I've got Washington losing um, to Michigan State at home, losing at UCLA, and then I have them losing to Cal at home and at Oregon State. Now. At Oregon State is going to be an interesting one. I could see Washington picking that one up and hitting the over because it's after a bye week. But 
Oregon State to me is like a very, very complete team that doesn't really have any holes. They're not extraordinary anywhere, but they're just super solid everywhere. And I think a team like that could cause problems for a team like Washington, especially in Week 10 when maybe some injuries started to pile up. Yeah, no, I, that logic totally made sense. I also have Washington at 7-5. and five. They finished at number 6 for me. Um, I have them with losses at home to Michigan State, on the road back-to-back at UCLA, at Arizona State. I think that that's Arizona State kind of before the wheels fall off, so I'd like them to win that game at home. Um, and then uh, Washington actually wins three in a row. Arizona, Cal, Beavers, then losing to Oregon, and then I have them losing the rivalry game in the Palouse to finish the year. Yeah, to me, like doing this exercise, the Pac-12 North, like two through five after Oregon, just I, I could see those four finishing in any order. And so when I was doing this, I was more picking to have them all finish kind of around the same area because I think that the like your margin for error is pretty small there. I think that all of these teams are going to finish somewhere between six and six and eight and four. I don't really see any of these teams winning nine games, just given how much competitive parity. There is, like, I actually think that Cal might have the best, the the, the best roster of those three. Um, and that's why, actually, Cal ended up being uh, the fifth team for me with Oregon State as the sixth. And I got Oregon State losing to Fresno State at Fresno State, losing at Utah, and then I have them uh, losing to Cal at home and then at Arizona State. And and then uh, Oregon at home, so I have them going zero and three on their last three. At- gotcha. So you have them at uh, seven and five overall with uh, five, five and four, four in conference. Oh, yep. Yeah. I have all three of Cal, OSU, and UW at seven and five, five and four. Yep. Yeah, I you know I think you're going to get me on that because I I don't like where I ended up with on the Beavers either uh, when I did this. Like I ended up with them being five and seven, missing a bowl game, only three conference wins. Um, which I think is probably low on both of those accounts. I think six and six, seven and five is probably where they ended up. I have them losing to Fresno, uh, beating Boise, and then um, I'm losing to SC, Utah, Stanford, and then kind of picking up wins against Washington State and Colorado at home, um, losing at UW, uh, and then this is kind of where I have them losing to Cal, and then beating Arizona State before losing to the Ducks in Corvallis. So. Yeah, see, I, I've got them beating USC at home. Um, I that, and I changed it. You know, I do think that's a game that I could see USC losing early in the year. I just think that that place is going to be as wild as it gets all year, maybe outside the Civil War game. Um, and I think stylistically it's a tough matchup for USC. Like a really well-coached offensive line early in the season, that's week four, so they should be like relatively healthy. I've got Oregon State losing a lot of games down the stretch because I don't think they're particularly deep. Um, and so I think that some injuries start to pile up weeks 11, 12, 13, and that really exposes yourself for loss to losses against some teams that might have a little bit more top end talent than you in Cal, Oregon and Arizona state. Yeah, that makes sense. I think we, we, we're all settled now five through 12 with the same eight teams in different order. And that just leaves the top four. Um, so who do you have as number four? So I got UCLA. I got them at nine and three, three and zero in the non-con, and then their their losses being to kind of the obvious three, like Utah in week six uh, in the Rose Bowl, Oregon in Eugene in week eight, and then week twelve um, in the rivalry game against USC. I I just think that UCLA is pretty clearly on a tier above uh, the group of teams that I have at seven and five, um, but also pretty clearly below that top three teams in the conference and so it seemed like a pretty clear delineation between the wins and losses for me with a team that has a sixth year starting quarterback a good running back a well-coached offensive line Um, and I think they made some good additions in the transfer portal along the front seven Um, they got the Thomas twins from North Texas who I think are going to be valuable players off the edge Uh, they got Hawaii's first team all Mountain West inside linebacker um, along with Leatu Latu, who was a pretty good player for Washington. So um, I, I just think that UCLA is a really solid, well-coached team, and uh, Chip's going to have that offense humming with a six-year quarterback. So I think you copied off my homework, because uh, not only do we have the exact same records, we have the all 12 games exactly the same. But the same three losses, Utah, Oregon, and SC. I think this is Chip's best team. 
uh, that since he's been at UCLA, I think he's got, you know, obviously DTR back for year number five and, and he's kind of got a system humming now. But as you said, it is it is talent capped, I think. I mean, he's played Oregon, you know, UCLA's played Oregon close the last couple of years. I think that one will be a, a you know another hard fought game, but I think in the end they're just gonna they're gonna fall short in those three games. So I have them also at nine and three, uh, six and three in conference. The only team you know six and three in conference and uh, and then clear number four spot. Perfect. And then I've got USC at number three, um, going nine and three with losses at Oregon State, at Utah, and then at home against Notre Dame in week thirteen. Now. Um, the Notre Dame game doesn't count for conference um, implications, but I still have them going seven and two in conference, which puts them below Utah. With Utah having tiebreakers uh, on wins against USC and also against Oregon State, makes sense. Yeah, so I I have these two flip flopped. I think so. I have Utah in my number three spot, um, nine and three. Well, I'll talk about USC first, just to match up. So I have USC at ten and two. Um, one game ahead of you, and I have them at eight and one in conference. I have their loss to uh, to Notre Dame, of course, and then <laughs> crazy enough, I have them losing at Stanford in week two, uh, which wouldn't be the first time that has happened in recent memory with SC. It's it's probably a crazy prediction. I think they'll lose a game somewhere. Um, you know, I think you know your prediction of the Utah one is certainly probably a more likely one. I had them originally also, you know, pegged to lose the UCLA game. Um, and then I flip flopped it. Actually, no, that is the game I have them losing. I'm my bad. So I do have them. I do have them losing that game. I changed it. So uh, uh, the loss ten and two with a loss to UCLA and Notre Dame. My bad. I think some combination of losses in Pac in Pac twelve play two of Oregon State, Utah, and UCLA seems likely to me. Um, I have them beating a good Fresno State team at home. I have them winning at Stanford. Um, the Notre Dame game, the reason I chose Notre Dame is because I think by late season, Tyler Buckner is probably going to be playing some pretty good ball at quarterback for the Fighting Irish. And so with with Notre Dame kind of coming together on the offensive side, I think that they're just a more complete team than USC in this in 2022. Yep. Um, but I think over the long term, I'd, I'd pick USC if I was buying futures. Yeah, no, totally agree with that. I, I think Notre Dame is the more complete team right now, and they're, they're humming, and, and I think... The question on USC, of course, will be their defense, and I just don't think their defense by that point in the year, particularly, is probably going to be holding up very well. Um, you know, due to normal attrition and, and lack of depth, I think they have on the fronts, particularly. So I'm at ten and two, um, but in second place and making the Pac-12 title game with an eight and one conference record. So uh, that takes me to Utah, who I have at nine and three overall. Uh, seven and two in conference. I have them losing that. I think that difference is that that USC Utah game. I have them losing uh, to Florida in week one. I have them losing to SC in week seven, and then I have them losing to Oregon in week twelve. So nine and three, and um, you know seven and two in conference for Utah. And, and that Oregon Utah game really you know is for will be for a spot in in the conference title game, and I think Oregon wins that at home. Yeah, so I've got them beating Florida. I've gone back and forth on that game a billion times, uh, but I got them ten and two, seven and two in conference with losses at Washington State and at Oregon. I could very well see them beating Washington State and then trading that out for a, a USC loss or a UCLA loss because um, they play at UCLA. I think that's going to be a tougher game. But I just think that like overall, Utah is such a tough team. It's going to take like a fluky loss on the Palouse with some witchcraft. Um, or or losses to like Oregon or Florida for their two losses, um, and, and and really I think that game against Oregon comes down to everybody at Oregon's got that game circled red on the calendar. Uh, it's week twelve, so the, all the new systems will be the, the players will be experienced in them. The coaches will be settled in, and Autzen is going to be absolutely absurd for that game. So I think uh, I think the mixture of home field plus what, in my opinion, is the best defense in the conference is gonna is gonna produce a, a winning outcome for Oregon, uh, which will create an Oregon Utah rematch in Vegas. Yeah, it's it's interesting because they played so late in the year last year, and then they you know so they played and then they then they had the rivalry games and then they met again in Vegas and and that they they're playing the same week this year, um, which could could result in the same the same setup. I don't. I don't have that happening. I have USC being in Vegas against Oregon, but I do. 
I do agree with you that that the stakes on the line in that Oregon Utah game in Autzen are going to be incredibly high. It's going to be it's going to be a rocking atmosphere. You know, there's going to be a spot in the conference title game on the line for both teams. Winner winner gets in, loser probably doesn't. Um, they might not know that at the time, but that that's the likely outcome. Well, um, for Utah, I think that that will be pretty clear at the time because with Utah and USC playing earlier in the year. Yeah. Utah is the only one that plays both USC and Oregon. So I think that it'll be pretty well identified by that point where the conference is sitting in terms of determining who goes into that title game. Um, and I got Oregon in first going 10-2, and 8-1 and one in conference, lost to Georgia, um, and, and lost to Arizona. Now, um, I could also see Oregon losing to Utah, and I could also and see Oregon maybe not dropping a game to a team that they're clearly better than in Arizona. Uh, but I'm just playing the law of averages here. I think Georgia is a better football team. Um, and I think that somewhere along the way in Pac-12 play, uh, Oregon's going to lose an away game that they they probably shouldn't. Yeah, that I, we're the same. I got Oregon at ten and two, eight and one in conference, making the Pac-12 title game. I the Georgia loss. the The struggle I had was was similar, and we talked about this already. It was similar to you. Like they're not going to go nine and zero in conference. Um, nobody's done that since Oregon did it, you know, twelve years ago. Or so I just don't see that happening. But it was it's hard to come up with where that loss is when you look at the schedule. I mean, the, the teams that are most the the best teams on their schedule that they'd be most likely to lose to are home games. And and Oregon hasn't lost a home game in, you know, four seasons. Um Yeah, since twenty eighteen. And, and you got the U yeah, you yeah, don't even talk about that Stanford comeback game. That was the last loss at Knots and um otherwise you'd go back to twenty seventeen to find the the previous one. But um, you know, that Utah game, the stakes of it, all of the the game within a game stuff, you know, going back to last season, like I just, I just have a really, really hard time picking Oregon to lose that game. Now it certainly could happen. Maybe it's bias, but I just, I just think everything, everything trends Oregon's way in that game. So maybe if I had to pick a, a home loss, it might be UCLA being the next obvious candidate. But yeah, I ended up picking the Washington State game because I, you know, early in the season on the Palouse, they've struggled there. You know, maybe they're still trying to figure stuff out. So that's that's what I went with. Absolutely. So can I can I tell you what influenced me to make some of my changes now? Because you're going to laugh in my face. No. So no. I was I was listening to uh, Bruce Feldman and Stuart Mandel's podcast, The Audible, on my way home, and they had Yogi Roth on. I I heard that. I did. And, Yo- and Yogi Roth was doing the equivalent of duging for the Pac-12, and I bought every word. <laughs> and so my, my opinion of Cal increased by a factor of 10. Um, my opinion of our own defense was strengthened. Uh, he, he was actually very, very, very complimentary after being at camp here about a week ago of how he, he said that he said two things that were interesting to me. He said, one, that we had the best defense in the conference bar none, and he also said that Christian Gonzalez is the best corner, and for Utah fans to not jump him for saying it. And so that was uh, pretty high praise. Now, again, like that's not a Pac-12 radio or Pac-12 network setting where he has to be the, the conference hype man, but he went out of his way to say really good things about Cal and Oregon State, Oregon and USC. And so, yeah. um, and I understand the things about Oregon State. If they can get consistently solid quarterback play, I think they're going to be in really good shape. So, really, just kind of comes down to to Cal to live up to it. And um, I, I think I kind of have been underselling Cal. I don't really have a lot of faith in Bill Musgrave to to produce an explosive offense. I don't think Jake Plummer is a great quarterback, but I think that the the overall unit on offense is better than it was last year. And I think that Plummer is going to be more of a system guy than Garbers was able to be. So we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. I could get burned by that. I could very easily see Cal just as easily going five and seven, giving more wins to Oregon state and Washington and pushing up into that eight and four range. So. Makes sense. Um, I think that's a good segue into our next topic, which was, you know, picking our power five um, kind of championship game, participants and then of course you know the champions from those from those games and it makes sense to start in the Pac-12 since we're talking about it so uh you have Oregon and Utah playing in Vegas for the Pac-12 title I have Oregon versus USC in Vegas for the Pac-12 title um I'll just go first I I like Oregon I like Oregon to win the Pac-12 recapture that title that they won in in 2019 and and the year that shall not be named um, after that. And uh, I think Oregon will go to the Rose Bowl after that victory. 
Yeah, I I'm I'm with you on this one. Um, everyone's gonna say we're homers because we're both ducks, but yeah, of course. Uh, the the main thing for me is just looking at these rosters objectively. Oregon is the most talented roster from top to bottom. They have the least holes, um, and I think they have the best overall depth. Uh, and I, again, I think this defense really has what it takes to probably match or surpass what the 2019 defense did. And if you're if you're pulling off a top 10 defense in this conference given how poor some of the front sevens are, I think that you'll be able to do enough offensively just by maintaining that. I think they were 16th last year in F+. If you can maintain that while getting a top 10 defense, you're winning this league. So that that's where I'm at with, with Oregon and the Pac-12. Makes sense. Uh, you want to jump over to the Big 12 now? I do. All right. Go ahead. I've got Oklahoma and Kansas State playing in the Big 12 title game. I knew you were high on Kansas State. You've said that before. Yeah, Kansas State's kind of one of those... They, they feel to me like one of those Mike Riley Oregon State teams where they just they build up to a point where they've got a lot of weapons. Deuce Vaughn's one of the better running backs in the country. Adrian Martinez, I think, fits their system really well. They're just super solid on defense. They're good in the, on the offensive line. Um, I just... In a league where I think almost everyone has a bunch of holes, I, I think that Kansas State is kind of one of those teams that's just like there to be solid and predictable and win 10 games. And so I've got them against Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma is just the most talented team in the league. Um, I think Vendables will get better production out of a defense that hasn't been very good. And I think the the uh, scheme uh, that Jeff Levy and Dylan Gabriel have spent some time together uh, at UCF were super productive, and now he's bringing the same system to Oklahoma where they've got good players. I think that the, the veer and shoot, um, that old Art Bryles offense is going to work really, really well with Oklahoma's players and an experienced quarterback in that system. So just give I, give me Oklahoma and, um, and, and Kansas State, and I've got Oklahoma winning. Yeah, so I, we're half – Half a line there. I've got Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. So I've got a, a Bedlam rematch for the Big 12 title game. And I, again, I agree with you. Oklahoma's just too talented. And I think, um, you know, they're they're not a playoff contender, but they're going to bounce back a little bit from last year. And and I think they're going to win the Big 12 championship and, and go to New Orleans and, and play in the Sugar Bowl. Okay, perfect. Now let's move on to the the SEC um, this one to me is super straightforward. I've yep. got a 12 and 0 Georgia facing off against a 12 and 0 Alabama and losing to 12 and 0 Alabama in Atlanta. I I can't argue with that in the least. Uh, Bama's just, and we'll get to our playoff prediction soon. But Bama's just incredible this year. I, I think it's their year. So I have them rolling uh, 12 and 0. And, and when you look at Georgia's schedule, it's it's surprisingly kind of soft. Um, you know, their crossover games aren't aren't strong this year. I think Auburn's a down team. You know, maybe there's some teams on the on the rise in the East. Um, but overall, like their their schedule is very manageable and, and I think twelve and zero for Georgia is more likely than not. And I have those two teams playing. I have Bama winning uh just like they did last year in in Atlanta. And then um we'll talk about what happens after that next. Perfect. All right, we'll go to the ACC. I've got Clemson and I've got Pitt. Um, I have, okay, go ahead. Yep. And I've got Clemson winning. I just think that it, if DJ doesn't step up and play better, Cade Klubnick will. And so with the defense that they have, they could win 11 games with me at quarterback. I think that they're probably an 11-1 and team uh, with a, a true freshman starting quarterback in Cade Klubnick who's really hitting his stride by the time it matters. Yeah, I have Clemson winning... Uh, winning their division pretty handily. Uh, I think they're going to bounce back a bit from last year's nine and three record. I think you know there's, it, it's surprising to me how quickly so many people are riding off Clemson. That's still a really freaking talented team. Um, I think you know certainly DJ could bounce back, and like you said, there's there's people waiting in the wings if he doesn't. Uh, but I have Clemson bouncing back, uh, winning their division, and playing Miami uh, in in the um, in the title game. You know I think that. The coastal division is kind of interesting. I don't think there's any dominant team. There's there's probably two or three teams that could win that division, but I'm going to pick Miami uh, and Mario Cristobal to to win the division in year one. But they're not. They don't have the horses to go against Clemson, and and they will drop that game. 
See, this this could have set up a really interesting year because if, if Clemson manages to lose two games, which I don't see two losses on their schedule, I struggle to find one. But let's just say they lose to NC State and they beat everyone else and they make it to the to the conference championship game and win. Um, I've got let's talk about the big let's talk about the Big Ten before before I finish this thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got playoff talk next, so don't gotcha. Go so I've got a. Uh, I've got a 12 and 0 Ohio State going up against a 10 and 2 Iowa from the Big 10 West. Um and I've got Ohio State winning uh pretty easy. Uh but the the little quirk I've got here is that I've got Michigan going 11 and 1 with their only loss to Ohio State. Yeah, and that's going to segue into the the playoff conversation that we'll have next. Um, yeah, I think Ohio State is a clear number two team to me this year behind Alabama. Uh, I think, obviously, they still got some question marks on the defensive side of the ball, but I, I have a lot of confidence that they're going to work those out. Uh, so I have them I have them going undefeated, and uh, I have them playing Wisconsin in Indianapolis. I think Wisconsin is going to bounce a little, bounce back a little bit from last year, but I don't, I don't feel as, this is probably the pick out of all, all 10 uh, uh, title game participants that I feel the least confident in. Um, I could see Iowa. I could see, uh, you know, Nebraska even, you know, rising up and making it to that game. So I I think there's, there's plenty of options from the West. It isn't going to matter. None of them are going to beat Ohio state. So Ohio state uh, takes a big 10. As a Wisconsin fan, I love that you picked them, but you have a lot more faith in the replacements on defense than I do. Um, and Graham Mertz, a quarterback, I, I don't trust him still. So, um, But regardless, whoever is coming out of the West is cannon fodder for Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game, uh, setting up a, setting up the playoff. So um, Yeah, this is fun. So uh, we, we got four playoff teams. I think uh, let's walk through it four through one, and, and why don't you start with your number four seed? Okay. I've got two answers for you. The first answer is the chaos theory. Clemson manages to lose two games and win the ACC, in which case I would have an 11 and 1 Michigan team as my 4 seed. I really think it's going to be uh Clemson or sorry, Georgia as the loser of the SEC championship game as my 4, but I could absolutely see a situation where Michigan gets in over Clemson. Gotcha. I have Georgia as my number four seed, uh, going twelve and zero in the regular season, losing to Alabama. You know, in probably a game that isn't super close. Uh, you know, it's not going to be a, a thirty point blowout, but I don't think it's going to be a game that comes down. You know, to the fourth quarter, uh, and then they'll they'll I don't want to say back their way into the playoff, but I guess that's what it is when you're coming off a loss. They'll they'll make the playoff and get that fourth seed, and then yeah, that's what I have it for. But I Perfect. could also see them being placed at three for reasons that we'll get to. Excellent. So I've got Clemson at three, um, go, winning the ACC, um, being 12-1 and one after winning the ACC. Again, if Clemson somehow manages to find another loss along the way while winning the ACC, this is where Georgia would slot in with Michigan at four. Um, but I, I think I have to run with one bracket here. So I'll, I'll have Clemson at three. So I think our bracket is going to be exactly the same because I also have Clemson at three, <laughs> uh, winning the ACC, ACC with one loss and getting the number three seed and being back in the playoffs after after missing it last year. Perfect. I've got Ohio State as the two seed, um, mostly because they played a worse team in their in their conference championship game. Uh, but I could see the committee swapping this so that we don't have a, a SEC championship game rematch in the first round of the playoff. Yeah, that's what I was getting to as well, because if you look at it by, okay, if Bama's the SEC champ, undefeated, Ohio State's an undefeated or even one loss Big Ten champ, Clemson's a one loss ACC champ, and Georgia's a one loss non-champ, like Georgia should be the four seed. They should be. But is the committee really going to do a Georgia-Bama rematch in the first round? Um, well, you I could make the, the argument. Come into play. Sorry, I totally interrupted you, but I just had like verbal vomit here. You could make the argument, though, that Georgia with wins, like with going undefeated in the SEC with a win over an Oregon team that wins the Pac-12, could have a better resume than a one-loss ACC team um, who really didn't have to play that tough of a schedule and didn't have any marquee non-conference games. Yeah, and that's the argument that would be made in that scenario, for sure. Yep. Otherwise, we would just have the normal matchup, which is Bama versus somebody and Clemson and Ohio State battling to play Bama. 
Yeah. It's like, have we seen this before? I think um, we've seen this once or twice. Yeah. Do we do we need to talk about, you know, playoff expansion again? Um for for reasons not because other teams will win, but for just creating more interesting and dynamic and different matchups year to year to year. But but I like my podcast for another day, probably. But I like my chaos theory best. Clemson loses two games, two Big Ten and two SEC teams get in, and we've got Bama Bama versus Michigan and and Georgia versus Ohio State in the first round, which I think would be fun. Yeah, I I actually like that much better than than the the matchup we both predicted. I think that would be more fun as well. I I think um, I think. I think the Big Ten getting two teams in and Michigan and Ohio State being those two teams is not is not a crazy theory at all. And and um, you know if it's like last year where the Big Twelve, the Pac twelve, and the ACC champs all take themselves out, like last year Cincinnati slid into that spot by default just because there wasn't anyone else. But uh, you know it, that just as easily could be an Ohio State or a Michigan from the Big Ten. And I think it's it would be. Uh, you know, having two Big Ten and two SEC teams, like the with the greater, uh, you know, changes and dynamics and politics and realignment and everything that's going on around the the, the landscape of college football, like would that not just be the most twenty twenty two thing or you know ever for it to be yeah. two SEC and two Big Ten? I almost want it to happen, just like that. Like I'm kind of rooting for that scenario. Yeah, outside of Oregon, you know, figuring out a way to squeeze their way in, that would be that would be the scenario I would root for as well. Perfect. All right, that uh, moving right along, I think the the next category I kind of wanted to talk about, you know, QB was, you know, there's this is the time of year where you see a lot of polls, you know, AP preseason poll, and you know the coaches preseason poll, and all the you know everybody's power rankings and all the you know metric polls and everything comes out and. And just people talking up and making their own predictions on playoff teams here and there and what teams are going to be great. And I always feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of variance in all these polls and all these rankings. And and maybe thought it'd be fun to talk about some teams that we think are being, you know, overvalued in the general discussion around national college football and maybe some teams that are being undervalued. So maybe we just go one at a time and and let's start with maybe some overvalued. So who do you got as as a team that's being overvalued out there? To me, Michigan State is like the most easily identifiable overvalued team. The polls have them high. I think one of the polls has them top 10, while the metrics don't even have them as top 30. Um, I I think that a lot of what happened last year was um, good turnover luck and a pretty transcendent running back, and I don't think that it's at all replicatable, Um, and I I think they're probably more like a 7-5 and or 8-4 and team this year. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Um, I'm I'm going to stay in the Pac-12. I'm going to go with Utah, and it depends, right? I think I think you know when you see rankings or polls that have Utah in the in the low single digits, you know, seven, eight, nine, like that's that's a reasonable ranking to me. I don't have any issue with that. But I've seen a number of people that have Utah in the playoffs, you know, as a three seed in some cases, as a four seed, and and I just I think there's a lot of Utah hype, uh, which is really based on primarily the two wins over Oregon last year. And I'm not going to discount their dominance in those games for whatever, you know, all the different factors involved, but, but you look up and down, you know, their, their talent, you know, their overall talent on their roster, look at the rest of their season. I mean, they lost to Oregon state. They, and that was after the Cameron rising, you know, well after Cameron rising had been the starter, that wasn't like, you know, the beginning of the season losses that everyone wants to discount from last year. Um, You know, and they played a lot of other games that, that were fairly close too. So, they were not a dominant team last year. They lost five starters on defense, including both their inside linebackers and, you know, and I think their best edge rusher. So I think there's there's a lot of question marks there. I think they're a really good team. Obviously, I predicted them, you know, we both predicted them to to win nine or ten games and, and you know, be right in the hunt for the, the Pac-12 title. But I think it's time to tap the brakes on this, like, Utah to the playoff talk. It's, it's, a, bit, it's a bit silly, in my opinion. Yeah, I think... I could see them making the Pac-12 title, obviously, since I have them in it. But I, I think that that's kind of their ceiling. I don't see them as a playoff team. There's just, there's not enough top-end pop, and it really it requires them to stay completely healthy, even to hit their ceiling. What about on the underrated side? Who you like? Who you got there? Fresno State. I, I still think that Fresno State's undervalued. They weren't ranked in the top 25 in either poll. I think Jake Hayner plus Jeff Tedford is just going to be a easy plug-and-play. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I kind of stayed away from G5 because, uh, you know, I 
tend to focus on power five, but I think going to the G five ranks, I think that's a good pick. Yeah. I think they've been kind of overlooked a lot. You know, I think with the coach, with the coaching turnover, it was like, Oh, okay. You know, they're going to fall back, but you're right. I think they have a lot, a lot of returning talent. And I think Tedford's, I mean, Tedford's a proven great coach. So I don't see that as an issue. I got two more. I want to rattle off really quick in order for undervalued. You're not going to give me one first. Go ahead. You got one and then, but just know I'm going back to back. (laughs) Okay, I got Michigan, um, and I, obviously you're going to agree with this because you have them, you know, potentially as a playoff dark horse. I think they're, I mean, and it's not like you know people don't have them ranked highly, but I like people are just kind of throwing last year out as like a one year wonder, and they're going to fall back and you know maybe win nine games, and they're not going to be you know in the discussion for anything. And I think I don't think that's the case. I think they're going to be right there. Obviously, they're not. You know, they're they're not at the level of Ohio State. I think I think they're going to lose that game that game against Ohio state this year. But like you said, I, I could easily see them running the table otherwise. So I think they're a team that's maybe being undervalued a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think they're undervalued in a way, but they also have like a 10 and a half win over under. So it's like, how undervalued are they really? While fair, fair. I'm going in a little bit of a different direction here. Obviously I, I have pit in the ACC title game. They're really, really, really strong on both, both uh, the offensive and defensive line. I think that the fact that, Addison left the way he did. Kenny Pickett taken off. I think that that team, like Narduzzi, is just such a chippy coach. I think that they're going to have an edge to him. I think that the talent in the front on both sides is going to be something that allows them to just kind of bully the Coastal Division this year. We'll see. We'll see. I think Miami is definitely the team um, to watch for in that division if it's not Pitt. But even if Pitt goes nine and three and doesn't win the division, I think it's a really solid year for Pat Narduzzi and, and Pitt. So got them and i've got lsu and so with lsu they just have a ridiculous amount of talent they have so much talent i i don't think that Jaden daniels is the answer but i think that garrett nussmeyer might be and with got players like Keyshawn butte who's a first team all-american wide receiver the the defensive lineman ojalari and roy i like lsu just recruits at such an insane level that if they get decent quarterback play I think people are just kind of counting them out. Uh, Brian Kelly is really fun to meme and poke jokes at for his for his accent, for his, his like dancing and uh, photo shoot antics. But he's a really, really solid coach, and he's inheriting a talented roster that's ready to go and probably win eight games. So I would not be surprised at all if LSU were to outplace some teams that are trendy picks in the SEC West. Well, he earned all those memes, let's be fair. But you're right, he is an incredibly good coach as well. So that's a good pick. I have a couple more staying in the SEC that that I think are a little undervalued as well. And and I'll start with one of them, Arkansas. And I don't think it's necessarily something that is going to maybe show up in the final um, stand, you know, the final record or even the final, um, you know, poll stand polls. But their their schedule is incredibly tough. But I think they're I think they're a better team than than a lot of teams that are maybe you know talked about high, more higher high more highly than them in in both the polls and just general discussion. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think Arkansas is a good football team. KJ Jefferson, really good offensive line with Sam Pittman as your head coach, and I I really like uh, like everyone made a lot of additions in the portal and Ole Miss got a lot of attention. USC obviously got a ton of attention for their portal halls. Arkansas quietly had one of the best portal halls in the country. Like getting Brittany from Georgia, who's more of a box nickel safety, um, getting uh, just getting getting an, uh, getting the edge player from Alabama who really could play anywhere in the country but there. I mean, if it wasn't for Dallas Turner and Will Anderson, he's a player for basically any other team in the country on the edge. And so he left for playing time, landed landed on a on a pretty good Arkansas front. So I I just I, I believe in Arkansas. Maybe it's because of the people I talk to the most. I, I don't know that they're particularly undervalued. I think that the biggest problem is the fact that they play a really, really difficult non-conference schedule on yeah. top of having probably the most difficult SEC draw they could get. Yeah, for sure. Um, the other the other undervalued SEC team I had, it, it was Tennessee. I think they're probably the second best team in in the East, um, I think they're they're a team that's that kind of is on the rise a little bit, and they're not all the way there yet. I mean, they're not going to compete with Georgia, but you know, they're they're. I see in a lot of polls, they're like other you know others receiving vote categories, or or maybe in the low twenties, and I think maybe they're a little bit better than that. Yeah, no, and I think uh, one more team if we're just going to be talking about the SEC, 
in the East. Uh, shout out to our friend of the show, uh, Clayton Baxter, is uh, is the South Carolina Gamecocks. I mean, if Spencer Rattler lives up to the hype, that's a team that's on a, on a good traje- trajectory under uh, Shane Beamer. I think just even going 6-6 six and six and making a bowl game for the second straight year would be outperforming their expectations. So, so I, I think that that's a team that's going to be sneaky competitive uh, and could bite Tennessee or Florida, depending on the weekend. And they'll have the cock commander cheering them on from the sideline. Yes, or Cluck Norris. Is it Cluck Norris? Is that where they're going with? I don't know. One of those two. Those are my two favorites. Yeah, those are those are good choices. So we'll see where they end up on that one. Uh, let's let's go back to the overrated. We only we didn't really talk about too many of those. Uh, you got any more that you think are maybe being overrated or overhyped? I mean, I think BYU is, which is kind of funny because we play them. Uh, but I think b- between the fact that they play Arkansas, Baylor, and us, I wouldn't be surprised if they're like two and three to start the season. So. I, they, they're, they're a good team offensively. They've got some good players on the outside, the Nakua brothers. Um, I, I think that, uh, their quarterback is, is an explosive runner and, and can cause some problems, but they're getting all of a lot of hype right now because of returning production on both sides of the ball. I don't know that returning as much project production as they do on defense is a good thing. Uh, that was a defense that was in the eighties last year. Um, and I don't know how much better you can expect a bunch of guys at deep into their development to get in one off season. Yeah, totally fair. Uh, I'll add USC to the mix. And again, it depends on the circles. I think they're properly rated by a lot of people, but uh, there's also getting a lot of kind of, uh, you know, pretty absurd hype about being a playoff contender or, you know, top five, top seven team. And and I think we just need to tap the brakes on that a little bit. They're, they've got a lot of work to, I mean, they're going to be, obviously I predicted them to make the Pac-12 title game and win 10 games, but I think they're, you know, they're another year or two away. They need some more bodies, you know, in before they're, before they're ready to be anointed. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a, that's a good one. Um, I think that you could kind of make an argument that all of Texas, uh, USC and Miami, just because of their name brands and new coaches, uh, which with which should be good hires, are probably getting a little bit more value um, by pundits and rankings than they might merit in year one, or in Texas's case, year two. Yeah, and and, and I guess this will be another homer take of mine, but I, I kind of think Oregon's being undervalued a bit around the country by a lot of people as well. I mean, which is I guess just fine to to Dan and Oregon probably. Uh, right now, but um, I, it it definitely feels like everyone is writing Oregon off as as uh, going to fall back this year, and I think it's actually going to go the other way around. Yeah, I would agree with you. All right, any uh, any other undervalued, overvalued you want to touch on? Uh, not unless you want me to go real sicko, because I, I I think that there's a couple more uh, group of five teams. I I think Appalachian State. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they beat North Carolina in their their opener. I, I think of all the G, uh, G5 teams, they would probably be my favorite to make the playoff just because their schedule sets them up in a way where if, if they go undefeated, uh, they'd probably have enough quality um, all, enough quality wins against Power Fives uh, to to merit a spot. So in a situation maybe where Michigan goes 10-2, and two, uh, there's a two, kind of what happened last year for, for Cincinnati where the path clears and the yellow brick road opens up. I think Appalachian State's a really, really good football team. Well, I'm I'm googling their their schedule right now because I'm trying to imagine who are they playing that's going to give them that kind of bump. So, uh, you tell me while I'm looking at it, I guess. Oh, Texas A&M. Okay, well, yeah, there, there you go. And you in North Carolina. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think Texas A&M and UNC would would provide um, the bump, like in the same way that Indiana and Notre Dame did last year from Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the A and M A and M game is very very similar to to beating Notre Dame last year. What it was for Cincinnati. So yeah, I totally agree with you. If they if they were able to pull that off, and especially if A and M then goes on to you know to win uh, you know significant numbers of games or or maybe even just finish their normal eight and four, um, that that certainly would be a quality enough win. Yeah, I mean if they go eight and four with a loss to Appalachian State, that means. Um, a pretty good SEC. That means a five and three SEC record. So uh, definitely, definitely would help uh, if A and M were to pull off that type of record. All right, you got another one? 
Uh, no, I think that's the last one for me. There's a couple teams in the Big Ten West that I think uh, might be undervalued, but there's just – I have a feeling they're all going to cannibalize each other and it won't show up in the win-loss record. Yeah, I you know, I've touched on this earlier, but I could see Nebraska maybe being that team. I know we talked before about I mean they they only won three games last year, but like, you know, almost all of their losses were by one score and you know, I think they're a team that's win total could improve significantly this year and that that in and of itself could could get them into that conversation as being kind of undervalued right now. Yeah, I think Nebraska's a team that's undervalued. I think Minnesota's undervalued. Um I I think Iowa's defense is going to be like tremendous, probably top three super elite unit. But I think that Joe Rossi, the defensive coordinator for Minnesota, is a fantastic coach, uh, and he's got a really solid unit. And I think that they're they're matching it up with a really complimentary offense. Uh, Kirk Shiraka, thirteenth year starting quarterback, Tanner Morgan, uh, getting Muhammad Ibrahim back from from injury at running back. One of the uh, lesser talked about awesome running backs in the country. I could see this Minnesota team kind of match it up with what they did in 2019, maybe going 10 and two and like maybe losing the big 10 championship game and kind of falling into the Rose bowl. Yeah, no, I could see that too. I think Minnesota's a good call. I think that is a team that, that has been, you know, not talked about enough probably. Yeah, I just think that the, the trendy picks because of the history with, with both Wisconsin and Iowa, um, but I think that both teams offensively need a lot of things to go right to be good, while I think that Tanner Morgan and Kirk Shiraka and uh, the reuniting of those two could be enough with a really solid defense to push Minnesota over the edge. And I, I think that multiple teams in that division are going to be ranked. They'd have some pretty quality wins if they were to get that record. Makes sense. All right, I think we're uh, we're winding down here on our kind of prediction extravaganza special, but I think we do have a couple of housekeeping notes and kind of touch on the new cadence of our podcast schedule as we move into two weeks and uh, and some other exciting announcements. So why don't we segue into that right now? Uh, let's start with um, start next week. We will be moving to two episodes per week. We'll have a more regular cadence as we get into the game weeks, uh, you know, game mode. So Fridays, we will release our, our uh, you know, kind of pre, pre-game, pre-week um, game preview episode. So we'll be talking about the upcoming Oregon game, of course, as well as, you know, touching on interesting games in that, in that week, in that week's schedule around the country and around the rest of the conference. Uh, and then any other relevant news and information that comes up. And then on... Um, Sundays, we will be recording and releasing our kind of recap episode. So we'll talk about results of what happened in the Oregon game. QB will break it down, we'll talk about key plays, and we'll touch on other games around the country and around the conference and, uh, and and kind of reset the cadence like that. So anything else you want to add to that, QB? Yeah, uh, I'm just really excited to have some actual football to talk about, be able to start breaking down rosters, players, kind of figure out who the breakout guys are on the teams that are coming up on Oregon's schedule. Uh, be able to kind of talk personnel and, and uh, preview teams ahead and, and then kind of revisit those previews a few days late, short days later uh, and see how, how our ducks matched up. So I'm really looking forward to getting into that game week cadence where we're, we're talking, we're talking ball twice a week. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be fun. I, I think uh, we've managed to fill the summer. I mean, we started this podcast in May, so we've been doing this for, uh, you know, three, four months now, and we managed to fill the summer content pretty regularly with, uh, with I think, what was quality content. But now it's going to get a lot easier. I think we're going to have the opposite problem where we have more to talk about than time to talk about it. So I'm, I'm super excited to go to two times a week and actually have football to watch and talk about. Yeah, 100% agree. I think we've kind of beaten every offseason topic to a pulp by this point. So uh, really, really getting into the nitty gritty. Uh, figuring out what this new coaching staff and this new team bring to the table is going to be a fun exercise. Yeah, we're going to have to see it on the field because they're certainly not going to tell us much. Uh, you know, Dan Landing and company have have kept everything very tight. Uh, they're not going to announce any starters. They're you know we're gonna we're gonna have to find out on the field and and like I get it. I don't have a problem with it. It is what it is, and and it'll be fun to to see it all play out there in Atlanta and in what uh, nine days. Yeah, yeah, we're we're right around the corner. It'll be eight days in about three hours. So, 
All right. So our last exciting announcement, uh, a couple podcast episodes ago, we talked a little bit about a new uh, platform for NIL for Oregon athletes uh, called Ducks Rising uh, at DucksRising.com. So check that out. They launch on, or we launch, I should say now, to let the cat out of the bag, on uh, August 31st. So next Wednesday at noon, that site will go live. It's a membership site. There's going to be a ton of great content there. And and some of that content is is our yours truly and, and both of us here. So we will be rebranding and renaming this podcast. It will be the Ducks Rising podcast. Same great podcast, same great hosts. Uh, we'll be talking about all the same things we talk about and more. But we'll be uh, we'll be under the Ducks Rising branding umbrella. Um, you'll still find us in the same places on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. Our episodes will be available on all those places just like they are now. We'll probably do some additional special features from time to time that might be behind the paywall there at the membership site. But uh, our our flagship podcast will continue to be available. For all who want to listen to and and QB, uh, you can talk about this too, but I I can't say how excited I am to be a part of this opportunity. Uh, I think it's going to open up doors for us to have some more great guests, uh, you know, players in the future. You know, continue to get more coaches and other people from the program. So um, I just want to announce that to everyone, and and I can't wait. Yeah, no, I agree, and I think that uh, anything that we can do to help get this platform up and running. Um, it's going to such a great cause. I mean, with the launch content that's going to be coming out is awesome. And uh, just the, the deals that are being issued to our, to the current players on the roster. And uh, I, I think anything that we can do to support and help grow that brand um, and create additional opportunities for all these great Oregon athletes is like, I, I feel like that's a really cool thing that we're able to be a part of and do and the access that's going to come with it and some of the special guests that are going to be able to come on the podcast and the opportunities that are going to rise um, with Ducks Rising, no pun intended. It, it just it was a no brainer. The people behind it are fantastic and uh, it feels kind of cool just to be involved in a small way. Yeah, I mean, I know they've been teasing out stuff on on Twitter like they've already done interviews with uh, four players. Um and and those those players of you know they're they've got a contract they've got an nil check before before the platform is even launched and before ducks rising has even had a single member sign up so um you know there there's serious people behind this who are who are investing and uh, their time their money their talent and, and including us into making this just an incredible platform and i know jackson powers johnson dante thornton um and uh, and DJ Johnson are all queued up, and and that content will all be available. These are video interviews, uh, really getting to know these guys, who they are, what makes them tick, talk about their background, where they come from, uh, and that content will will start dripping out and launching, uh, you know, next next Wednesday, the thirty first, just in time for football season. Heck yeah, get us dialed in, ready for football. Um, and again, like it's, I think it's important to say here, like this is about. Uh, creating a platform for these student athletes um, and, and really just the Oregon family coming together to, to provide additional opportunities for these guys who give so much to, to entertain us on, on those Saturdays through the fall and a bunch of great kids, um, great coaching staff. I'm really excited that again, we get to take a very small inconsequential part in, in what's going on over there. Yeah, and, and being able to build a community there too. I mean, just besides the player content that's going to continue to come out, you know, and, and not just in football, it's obviously football dominant, but, you know, Ducks Risings will be covering other sports too as time goes on. But but also, you know, there's going to be pregame write ups, there's going to be postgame recaps, there's going to be community content, there's going to be um, all kinds of stories and multimedia uh, content created and launched on the platform you know, week by week by week. So it's going to be, it's going to be a very sticky site with a lot of content. So you're not just, uh, you know, you're not just signing up and saying, here you go. Like there's, there's value. There's a value to this, um, to this website that goes back to all of all the members. So check that out at ducksrising.com launches on Wednesday. Consider becoming a member and, and keep watching us or listening to us, uh, wherever you find us. And we're happy to have you. QB, thanks again for another great episode. I can't wait to uh, be talking to you about Georgia in a week. Yeah, I'm really, really excited that we're finally we're finally here. It's so close. I like I cannot tell you like I've cleared my whole Saturday to watch Vanderbilt, Hawaii, and Northwestern Nebraska. 
Like I am desperate. Like I am star. Like I'm parched. I feel like I'm in the middle of the Mojave Desert, and I'm I'm so close to water. Uh, but I'm just I can't, I can't quite get to it. Yeah, cute. Uh, you know, week week zero is always fun, right? Because there's usually not too many great games, but there's always like it's still football. It's college football. Like college football is back. I'm gonna watch it. I don't care who it is. It's Vanderbilt. I don't care. I'm watching it. It's college football, man. Hawaii Vanderbilt could not be a less compelling matchup to me in like week twelve, but in week zero, oh my gosh! Like I've been like I I've got like three different bets on that game already. I can't wait to watch Vanderbilt and Hawaii play. So yeah, I'm I'm just so glad football's finally here. Uh, this long off season's coming to an end, and we're either gonna look really really smart or really really stupid here in the very short future. Yeah, for sure. All right. Catch us on the flip side, uh, uh, Ducks Rising podcast, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, all. Thanks, everybody.